Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. We are really, really glad you're here. Thanks for being here today, this day that God has given us. Let's rejoice, be glad in it, and worship together. I'm Jim. It's my privilege to serve as a pastor and a host for this experience. If you're a guest, a special thanks. Thanks for being with us. We have a gift for you. Check in with us, and we'll send you a Starbucks digital gift card right away and enjoy some brew, some coffee on us. Today we're excited to wrap up this sermon series. It's been a great series. It's called The Way of Wisdom. The Way of Wisdom as we've been exploring the, uh, the wisdom that God seeks for us in our everyday life. How do we navigate our everyday life? This week we'll be in the book of Ecclesiastes again. Such a paradoxical book of wisdom. Pastor Spencer will lead us in the message and, and God has a message for us all today. It's going to be great. And if you'd like to go deeper, I, I know I do, deeper into the message, we can go to sumc.co slash next for sermon uh, series questions and more. So please uh, feel free to do that. And now let's hear from Stephanie, who's going to tell us more about what's going on here at Schweitzer. Let's listen. Hi, I'm Stephanie. If you're new to Schweitzer and would like to get to know us some more, join us for an all-in event on Sunday, August 22nd, right after the late service. We'll treat you to lunch, take you on a campus tour, and answer all of your questions. Let us know you'll be attending by going to sumc.co slash next to sign up or stop by the Information Center on your way out. As you may have heard, Schweitzer has an amazing choir and they're starting up rehearsals again this Wednesday, August 18th at 6.45 p.m. If you love music and are interested in meeting others who love music as well, plan to join us at 6.45. Our traditional worship director, Cheryl Mole, would love to give you more details and you can contact her or check out sumc.co slash choir for more details. We are gearing up for a strong fall with our youth. If you're a youth or parent, join us for our youth and parent meeting on Sunday, August 29th at noon. Lunch will be provided and you can sign up and let us know that you'll be coming at sumc.co slash next. Once again, we are grateful that you're here this morning. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie. We appreciate you. And we invite you to engage today. There's a chat feature on your screen. Uh, Say hello to your friends. uh, Give us your insights. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button. People are available to pray with you. And now let's, uh, let's worship God, this awesome God, a God who overcomes everything. Let's worship and celebrate together. Jesus, Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Call these bones to me, call these lungs to see. This is our time to pray together. Thanks be to God for the gift of prayer relationship. God uh, seeks to be a center in our lives. And so we thank God again for prayer. And this week, in our final week of the way of wisdom, an important part of, of wisdom is the aspect of obedience. That is trusting God, being uh, submitting to God's will, uh, being humble people. Uh, too often, and I'll speak for myself and perhaps for you, I ask God to join in my life and to bless my life rather than really seeking to uh, follow God and what God is doing right now in my life or in my community. And so I, I ask us to reflect in this time, how can we join God in what God is doing in our families, in our workplaces, in our community, uh, be sensitive to what God is up to, and then join God in God's good work uh, for the world he loves so much. Let's reflect on our lives right now.
Holy God, it is good to be in your presence and to be uh, with you in this uh, relationship of prayer. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of, of Scripture, and in particular, the uh, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, that give us such wisdom, that you uh, demonstrate your love for us. Thank you that you've not left us to our own, that you show us the way. And so we, we confess that we can too often be self-absorbed and uh, put ourselves first or help us, God. Uh, come Holy Spirit, help us to uh, place you first, uh, be our source in everything, and to really re receive wisdom and know that with you, meaning and purpose uh, fills us and a sense of contentment and joy through all things. God, because of who you are and your Holy Spirit. So Lord, again, uh, we thank you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, beloved community, that you lead our lives. Uh, we give ourselves to you. And now uh, we pray together. Lord, we pray the prayer you taught us long ago. We pray both with humility and uh, courage and boldness, uh, our, our Lord's prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering together, we thank God for God's uh, generosity, love, and care in and over our lives. God uh, gives and gives and gives, and we respond uh, regularly with faith and trust and obedience, and through our giving as a tangible act of worship. And so today, we, uh, as we give, we thank you for your generosity. It makes a real difference in the lives of people uh, here in our community, our church, and especially in this time, Please know that your giving is helping to support our healthcare community workers uh, in a ways that make them not feel forgotten, but encouraged and uplifted. We provided food, pizzas, and more uh, to workers at uh, local community hospitals. Also, uh, chalk art on the sidewalks for people, again, to feel their hearts lifted. And uh, cards are being sent to, uh, to the workers, to the servants who care for the sick and the lonely and are really God's presence in this time as a, as a source of healing. So again, your giving matters. It really, really uh, encourages people and uh, tells of God's love. So thanks so much. Thanks for your giving. And we can continue to give at sumc.co slash give. Uh, let's continue to be generous people in the heart of God. And now it's Pastor Spencer in our uh, final week of the Way of Wisdom uh, let's watch. It's going to be a great message. Welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm the pastor and I'm so glad that we can spend our time together today. I can't wait to share this with you and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. This is part 11 
of our series called The Way of Wisdom. Part 11, 11 of 11. This is the end of our series, the very last week. Uh, we're gonna wrap this up today. And so we have spent our summer months, June, July, most of August now, uh, reading and studying the, the biblical teaching of wisdom that we have in the Bible. Now, when we talk about wisdom, you know, we're talking about these choices that we make in life, how we navigate life. Sometimes when people are at crossroad moments, you know, they talk about they need wisdom. Do I move to this city? Do I marry that person? Do I take that job? I need wisdom to know what to do. But wisdom is so much more practical than that because wisdom shows up every single, every single day. Every single day we have the choice between wisdom and, and foolishness because wisdom is really just how do you navigate your life? How do you choose what's good and true for you? How do you, how do you do practical things in your life? Like how do you man, handle your money? How do you talk about people? How do you foster relationships? What do you, what do you do with your words? Like these are practical kinds of things that we are considering as we think about the choices we have between wisdom and foolishness. Now, throughout this series, for the first eight weeks, we spent most of our time in the book of Proverbs because Proverbs is all about wisdom. It's a practical, practical teaching about wisdom. But a few weeks ago, we turned the page, went to a different book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes, which we're going to be again today as we wrap up this series. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. That's where we're going to be today. Now, it's really helpful as we get into this to understand the difference between Proverbs and Ecclesiastes because while they're both about wisdom, they're about a very different kind of wisdom. Proverbs is the kind of wisdom that is practical, clear-cut, black and white. It's the kind of wisdom you teach your kids, like this is how life works. This is how you navigate life. If, if you do these kinds of things, then you should expect these kinds of results. That's what Proverbs is. So, you know, if you handle your money well, if you save, you should expect to build wealth. If you um, do are, are good with your words and you, uh, you speak well of other people, you, you know you're going to avoid fights. If you live with integrity, you're going to have a good reputation, right? You do this, you should expect that to happen. This is the wisdom of Proverbs. And it's true. This is just how life works. This is how we navigate life. And this is what we read in Proverbs. But Ecclesiastes is, is a little different. Because sometimes you can do all the right things. You can, you can live in the right way and make all the right choices and it still doesn't work. Or, or other times you might have all kinds of achievement and success. And at the end of the day, you look back and you're like, but, but what am I living for? Isn't there, isn't there more? And, and, and these are the questions. This is the wisdom of Ecclesiastes is how do you navigate life then? So Ecclesiastes, you know, it's not clear cut. It's, it's not black and white. It's, uh, it's not always super practical. Ecclesiastes is, is a little bit more gray and it's a, a lot more cynical and uh, it's, it's brutally, brutally honest. I mean, listen to how Ecclesiastes opens up. This is chapter one, verse two of Ecclesiastes. It says this, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What a downer. This is the theme verse, by the way, of the whole book of Ecclesiastes, that everything is meaningless. And so what do you do with that? Because you read the Bible and the Bible is just telling you here that everything in life is meaningless. So what do we do you know, with, with this? So as we've been reading this verse for the last few weeks and we're, as we're in Ecclesiastes, you know, one of the things I've been pointing out is that as you read this, we need to remember it's a translation. And the word that we translate here is meaningless from the original Hebrew. The word is hevel. And this word hevel, what it literally means, is not meaningless, but what it really means is vapor. So the book opens, vapor, vapor. Everything is vapor. Vapor is all around us. This is what our life is like, vapor. And so we've been thinking about how is life like vapor. And if you consider vapor like, I don't know, water vapor, you might notice that vapor is one of those things that's right before you and you have it, you see it, you can feel it, but before you know it, it's gone. This is what life is like. Life is temporary. 
It's short. It's brief. Our time on earth it is over before you know it. It's like vapor. We are like a mist, another verse in the Bible says. Life is so short and so brief that we have to live with intentionality so that we're becoming the right kinds of people, the people we want to be. Um, but there's other parts about vapor we haven't talked about that's, that's also what life is like. Because as you think about vapor, it's not just that it's brief and it's temporary. But also as you think about vapor, vapor is something that you can see and you can feel. But if you try to hold it, if you try to grasp it, it's one of those things that you, you, you can't hold on to. It's there in front of you. You can feel it and see it, but it's not something that you can grab. And as you think about life, there are all kinds of things in life that you can try to grab and hold on to and grasp. But in the end, it's just, it's just vapor. It'll let you down. It's not something that you can depend on, even though there are lots of people, lots and lots and lots of people who, who grab onto things in life that, that in the end are just, are just vapor. So if you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, essentially here's how the book goes. Uh, it opens up with this line about vapor, and then 38 more times throughout the book, you read about things that are hevel, vapor. This is the word that's used 38 times in 12 chapters. And over and over and over again, Ecclesiastes talks about these things in life that are vapor. And it's kind of written in circles, like it just kind of cycles back to these things over and over and over again. These things that lots and lots and lots of people try to base their life on, try to grab in life, but in the end, let them down because it's nothing but vapor. Let me give you a few examples. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 11. Here's one of those things that's like vapor. When I, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, Everything was meaningless, vapor, hevel. It was a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So what are we talking about here is we're talking about work, achievement, success. And Ecclesiastes is like, you know, you can try to base your life on that. You can try to make work, achievement, success. You can try to make that your identity, your purpose in life. But you know what that is? It's just vapor. It's going to let you down. It's not something you can actually grab onto. It's not something that you can depend on. But lots and lots and lots of people make their work, achievement, success. They make that their whole life. But in the end, it's just vapor. Here's another example. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. I said to myself, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Pleasure. Living for what feels good, uh, living for the weekend or the next trip or the next drink or the next night out. Pleasure is, is one of those things that, again, lots and lots of people will live for and base their life on. But in the end, it's vapor. It's not something that's reliable. Here's another example. Uh, chapter 5, verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. It is, it is vapor. So if you base your life on what you have, uh, the, what, you, what you've bought, if you, if you base your happiness and you do a little uh, therapy shopping because you're going to think that's what's going to make me happy, you, you do a little uh, buy the newer, the nicest, the, the biggest, and this is what you, you live your life for, you know what that is? It's, it's vapor because you'll never have enough. You just have a, an, a continually empty hole that you, you're, you're going to try to fill with more and more and more things. And and it's just vapor. Or here's, here's one more example. Chapter 2, verse 15. It says, The fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I uh, do? What then, what then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless, is vapor. So even learning, even, even accumulating more knowledge is ultimately vapor, is ultimately hevel. 
And so everything, these things that we, we, we search for in life, you know, you think even about learning something that's good like that, uh, where, where people will base their identity on what school they went to or being the smartest person in the room, even that is a vapor, something that you can't depend on. So as you read through Ecclesiastes, you, you're kind of left with a question. And maybe you've been asking this question as well. And certainly as you read through the book, you, you come to this question. It becomes very obvious as it kind of starts to resonate in your mind as you read just thing after thing after thing after thing in this book that's all just vapor. And you're left wondering, well, if everything is vapor, if everything is hevel, what isn't? Like, we can deconstruct all day long, but what are we left with? What is solid? If, if everything else is vapor and I'm going to grab it, it's going to be brief, but I can't actually hold on to it. What is actually solid? What is not vapor? And that brings us to the last chapter of Ecclesiastes, where we finally come to the answer of that question. And I'm going to, I'm going to read to you the whole chapter, uh, although we're going to really focus on just the last couple verses of what we hear, see here of, of what is not vapor. So this is Ecclesiastes chapter 12, starting verse 1. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble came, come, and their years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house uh, tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. When people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along. And desire is no longer stirred, which, by the way, if you're paying attention, that was one long sentence, one sentence about how life is brief, it is vapor. Finally, read this, it says, Then people go to their eternal home, and mourners go about the streets. Verse 8, Remember him, that is the creator, before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless, which of course goes back to the very beginning of the book, which is the theme of this whole book. Everything is vapor. Verse 9. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. Goads are like a, a prod that you use to push animals along. So the words of the wise are like goads. They kind of push you along. They're collected sayings uh, like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. And then listen to these last couple verses here. Verse 13. Now all has been heard, and here's the conclusion of the matter. Here's, here it is. Finally, we're here. What is not vapor, because everything else in life is vapor. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Here is the answer to that question. Here it is. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. 
For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. The end. What is not vapor? What is not hevel? What is not something that will let you down, something that is just brief and temporary? What, what is something that is reliable and solid? It is the Lord. Because the Lord is eternal. And so our role then is to have a right relationship with the one who is eternal, the one who will judge the world, both the things that are hidden and seen, the one who will bring things to be right. Our role is to have a right relationship with him. Everything else in life is meaningless. It's vapor. It's not something that you can depend on and hold. It's something that will let you down. But as we come to the final conclusion of the matter, if you boil it all down, what you learn is that the Lord is not vapor because he is eternal. He is eternal. Now, the way that Ecclesiastes talks about our right relationship with the Lord is this line, to fear God and keep his commandments. That's, that's the line that, that, that uh, Ecclesiastes uses. And I don't expect you to remember this, but way back on June 6th, we started the series. And on June 6th, we preached from Proverbs chapter one, the very beginning, we started going through Proverbs and learning about the wisdom we saw there for eight weeks. And now uh, we come to the end of it and we read about the fearing God and keep his commandments. But Proverbs chapter one, when we first started, one of the verses we read on June 6th was this verse. This is Proverbs one, verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So as we began this series on June 6th, we talked about the fear of the Lord, how this is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge. This is, this is the, the path that we walk on if we're going to live in the way of wisdom. And now here on, on the in, in middle of August, we come to the end of the matter and the conclusion of it all, if you boil it down to, to where are we left with, what is not vapor, it is again, it is the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is having a right relationship with the Lord. It's, a, it's about living in the right kind of way with him. Now, when I say the fear of the Lord, some of us, I'm afraid, hear me say, be afraid of God. And we need to talk about this. We need to talk about what does this fear of the Lord mean? Because when I say it, again, some of us hear something I'm not saying, because I'm not saying be afraid of God. But when some people hear this phrase, the fear of the Lord, which is so central to living the life of wisdom, some of us here be afraid of God. And I think we do this for a couple of reasons. Some of us hear this phrase, be afraid of God, when we hear this, because this is what we've been taught. I have talked to so many people in my work, so many people in our church who, who have come from places where they were taught to be afraid of God, that they were taught that God is out to get them. They're taught the fire and brimstone, that this is how God uh, treats people. And if God loves them, it's very begrudgingly, like God just kind of loves them. And, and, and so some people, they come to church and they need to unlearn some things about, about the Lord because what they've been taught is, is inaccurate. And it's really that God is just kind of out to get people. And a lot of people have this perception that this is what God is. And so when they hear the phrase, the fear of the Lord, because they've been taught that God is mean and vindictive and wants the worst for us, they hear, ah, be afraid of God. I need to be afraid of God. This is the right relationship with him. Or, or sometimes um, other pe folks might hear this, this line, the fear of the Lord, and think be afraid of God because uh, they've got skeletons in their closet and, and they've got things that they're ashamed of and things that they haven't given over to the Lord. They haven't really forgiven and they're kind of wondering if God forgave them. And these kind of skeletons, I mean, they come in all kinds of shapes and sizes and they, they have a tendency to haunt people for years 
Maybe it's a, maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's an affair. Maybe it's, it's a crime. Maybe it's some sort of addiction or an eating disorder or an abortion. There's all kinds of skeletons that, that people carry with them. And they're like, oh man, I don't, does God forgive me? Because I certainly don't forgive myself. And there's all kinds of pain that comes with it. And so they're left wondering, should I be afraid of God? And let me say this really, really, really clearly. The fear of the Lord does not mean be afraid of God because God is good and this good God loves you. There's no reason to be afraid of God. This is the testimony of scripture from beginning to end. Romans 8 says it really, really well. Let me read to you this from Romans chapter 8. It says this, if God is for us, listen to that line one more time. God is for us. Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. This is the proof of God's love for us is the cross. Not our own lives and not what we've accomplished or, or our own successes or our own goodness or anything else about our own circumstances. The, the proof that God loves us and not in a begrudgingly kind of way, not a, like a have to kind of way, but he actually loves us is that he gave his son for us. So if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Why would he not give us all kinds of blessings? Because he loves us. We're his sons, his daughters. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is God who justifies? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us, praying for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or put any other thing in that list that you could possibly think of that could separate you from the love of Christ? Could any of that separate us from the love of God? Verse 37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, 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 nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the truth of the scripture. God loves you. God is for you. God wants blessing in your life. This is who he is. And so therefore there is no reason ever that we would need to be afraid of God because he is good and he loves us. But at the same time, we treat God with respect. And, and, and we are not flippant about God. And, and we don't take God for granted. So God is good. He loves us. He is kind to us. He blesses us. He's given us his son. But we also treat God with some respect because we recognize that God is God and we are not. I think about it like this. Uh, this summer, my family, we went to the beach for a vacation in June. It was great. We had uh, extended family around us. My brother and his family, my sister and her family, my parents were there. We all rented a house on the beach. There's 15 of us. It was awesome. I hadn't seen my brother and his family live in California since uh, before COVID hit. So it was awesome to see my, my niece and my nephew. And I just haven't seen them in, in such a long time. So we we're at the beach. And listen, I love the beach. I love it. I love waking up in the early morning time on the beach is like my favorite thing to do. It's just so peaceful. You got the surf, uh, spending all afternoon in the sun and swimming in the ocean. It's just absolutely incredible. I love the beach. I love the ocean. It's so, so, so much fun. One day, uh, my dad, my brother, and my nephew and I, we went fishing. We, we hired a fishing guide and they took us out in this little boat. We we're shift, uh, fishing inshore. So we we're off, you know, in a boat, but we we're fishing inshore. And my, my nephew, he's 13, he caught a shark. 
The shark was like six feet long. It was huge. He caught a shark and he was so proud of himself. It took him like an hour to reel it in. And, and they finally brought it in. And the captain of the boat, the fishing guy, he's like, we're not bringing that in the boat because, you know, we're not going to the hospital today. And so they, they released it there. And what really got me, though, about uh, releasing this shark was when I, when, when I looked to shore, we were like 50 yards, yards from shore. Like we were so close that like I could wave at people who are swimming. And, and we were so close that they could wave back at me. And we had just released the six foot shark like right there because we had caught it right there. And so I, I think about the fear of the Lord and, and I can't help but think about the ocean because like I love the ocean. The ocean is awesome. It's so fun. It's so relaxing. It's so good. And yet at the same time, like I've got some respect for the ocean because I can't control it. It's so much bigger than me. Like I, I got some respect for the ocean because while I love it and I love to swim in it and I love to be around it, it's, it's a lot bigger than me and I can't control it. And so I need to have a healthy respect for the ocean. So I think about this line, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, how it's the way of wisdom. It's the, it's not, it's not vapor. It's not hevel. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's, it's the foundation. It's the conclusion of the matter. And, and of course it is because the fear of the Lord is, is when I have a right relationship with, with God. And I have to start to recognize when I fear the Lord that God is God and, and I am not. Therefore, God doesn't serve me. God is not my pet for me to control. He's not like some genie who just grants me wishes. He's not a vending machine. If I just put in my order, I'm going to get my Snickers bar. That's not who God is. God is, is totally different. He is, he is wild like the ocean. He, he is dangerous in that kind of way because he is not me. He is good. He loves me. He is kind and compassionate. And yet at the same time, like I need to have a healthy respect for God because because God is God and, and I am not. And so therefore, if I have the, a right relationship with God, if I fear the Lord, I'm not afraid of Him, but I'm gonna respect Him. I'm gonna listen to Him. I'm gonna be obedient. I, I'm gonna follow His commandments and His teaching because I recognize that He is God and I am not. I'm gonna recognize that God takes center stage and, and not me, that the world doesn't revolve around me, it revolves around Him because He is the Lord and, and, and not me. And so if I have the fear of the Lord, I keep his commandments, I understand that this is solid in life, then I'm going to recognize that, that I'm far less important in my life than I think I am because he is actually the one who rules and reigns. He is the one who created it all. He is the one who's going to restore it all. He is the judge of everything at the end. Like I fear him in the sense that I have this respect for him, recognizing that God is God and I am not. But you know what a fool does? A fool doesn't understand that. A fool doesn't understand that God is not some pet or some genie or some vending machine. A fool doesn't understand that, that God is God and, and, and that it needs to be respected and, and, and honored and glorified like that and obeyed. Instead, what a fool does is a fool makes themselves center stage. And a fool thinks that the world revolves around them. And a, and a fool lives as if, as if what they want to do is the most important thing to do in life. And so therefore, a fool is trying to grasp all kinds of things in life that ends up just being vapor because they're not respecting the right relationship that they have with the one who is eternal. A fool puts themselves in the middle of everything and, and expects everything to revolve around them. And listen, I just wanna say it like this. There are a lot of people who live the life of a fool. There are a lot of Christians who live the life of a fool. A lot of Christians who don't understand what it means to have this fear of the Lord, this right relationship with God, because there's a lot of Christians 
who read the word, they, they, they read the commandments that God has, the, the teaching that he has for us. And like, you know what? I'll obey when it's convenient or, or I'll follow what the Bible teaches when I want to, when I understand it, when it makes sense to me, when, when I have full understanding of this. And it's like, this is how, how sometimes we treat God. It's like, God is like some sort of add on to our life instead of the thing that everything revolves around him. And so if you want to follow the way of wisdom, if, if you want to have a life that is solid and not just grasping after thing after thing in this life, well, hear the word of wisdom. Because when you boil it all down, the conclusion of the matter is really simple. Fear the Lord, fear God, and keep his commandments. Live in a right relationship with him. One where you recognize that he loves you. He wants to bless you. He's kind to you. He's given his own son for you. But at the same time, you can't control him. You have to respect him and give him honor and glory and obedience to what he teaches us because this is the path of wisdom. Don't play the part of a fool where you think everything is about you. Pour yourself into what the Lord has. Read the scripture. Pursue him. Uh, Learn what he has for you in your life and then apply it to you because this is the path of wisdom. And so every single day, you have a choice. Are you going to live your life for yourself where everything revolves around you? Or are you going to recognize that God has a life for you to live that's really about him? That is the path of wisdom. And so this 11th week, as we wrap up this series, how do you wrap it up? Well, you think about this. When you boil it all down, the conclusion of the matter is really, really simple. If you want to live a life of wisdom, if you want to live a life that is solid and not just vapor, if you want to live a life that matters, fear God and keep his commands. This is the path, the way of wisdom. Let's pray. And so, Father, today, we celebrate the wisdom that you give to us, the choice that you give to us every day to follow you, to be obedient to you, to to search for you, to seek after you, to know you, and to walk with you. Help us to be people of wisdom, people who love you and walk with you, and yet people who also understand that you are God and we are not, and so we come with humility before you. We want to be obedient to what you have for us, to live in the commands of God and not be, not be disobedient and try to live our life on our own terms. Help us to be people of wisdom who walk in the path of the fear of the Lord, not being afraid of you because we know you're good, we know you love us, but people who respect you and serve you and love you. And so God, in the places where we have been fools, would you give us forgiveness? Would you bring this to our light so we can, we can see this and, and, and repent of it and follow you in a new kind of way? And so that no matter who we are or where we've been or what we've been carrying with us, that all of us can find a new life in you. All of us can turn our hearts, our lives to you afresh every day with a simple prayer. Lord, you forgive my sin. Would you lead my life that I might live for you? And so God, today we give you thanks that you love us, you've given your son for us, and you've opened up the path to wisdom. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for this great, great day of worship. It has been a joy to be with you. A special thanks to Stephanie, who does such a great job at keeping us connected, to the worship team, of course. Thanks for your gifts. Uh, Pastor Spencer, for that message. Thanks so much. And you know somebody who would, who would be uplifted 
uh, encouraged by this message, share it on social media. Thanks for doing that. And again, a special thanks for being here for this series on, on wisdom. And then next week, we'll see you back here as we begin a new series that you're going to love called The Two Sons. Have a great week. We'll see you then.